This morning we take a look at that uh, gospel that we had just read. Dear friends in Christ, it was a struggling church. Someone there had said, God has not called us to be successful. He has just called us to be faithful. And there's another quote that goes along these same lines. God wants faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Well, these statements are half true. And there's also a Yiddish proverb that says, a half-truth is a whole lie. God wants both faithfulness and fruitfulness. And there are three things at the beginning of this message here that I'd like to help make this issue clearer to us. First, faithfulness is the path to fruitfulness. The wording here is slightly off. You might think you know, that you have to choose between faithfulness and fruitfulness. But that's a false choice. It's a misunderstanding. Fruitfulness comes through the path of faithfulness in no other way. In this sense, we can say that God wants faithfulness only. We can say that not because fruitfulness is optional, but because faithfulness naturally results in fruitfulness. And to take it even further, faithfulness always results in fruitfulness. The New Testament really doesn't have any categories for an unfruitful Christian. The unfruitful Christian simply doesn't exist. Notice how when Jesus had talked in Matthew 25 with the parable of the talents, that there were two men who had doubled their talents that the master gave them. And what did he call them? He called them good and faithful servants. And then we had that third servant who really didn't do anything. He was the one who was given a talent and he brought no fruit. The other two, they doubled what they were given. One was given five and it went up to ten. The other had two talents and it went up to four. But this third servant, he brought no fruit in addition. What was he called? He was called wicked and lazy as compared to the faithful servants. You see, God wants to see results in us. Our faithfulness is demonstrated by our fruit. God does require fruitfulness. But that fruitfulness, it's going to be certain to follow if we are faithful. And this, of course, is simply what we know as the doctrine of justification and good works. We know that by our works, we're not justified. Only Christ could do that on the cross by dying for our sins. But those who have been justified by faith are going to live a life of good works, good fruit in response to God's love for us. Third, faithfulness is a form of fruitfulness. Faithfulness is one of the fruits that God produces in us, and he requires of us as we see the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5. That's an important point not to be overlooked. And related to this, another component of that fruitfulness is our character. And I'm speaking to the godly responses we have in response to situations that we're in. Whatever you're going through, we can be godly in character. And that's a form of fruit that's not visible just as it's not visible of us seeing our Christian souls of fellow believers going up to heaven. 
We can't see that, but we know it and we believe it because God has promised that. But our character matters. It's important to us and to God. And if we have poor character, that kind of character can really drive people away. Still, the lack of visible fruit is frustrating and it's discouraging. Look at the first statement that I had mentioned earlier. God has not called us to be successful. He has just called us to be faithful. What do we mean by successful? Well, if it's in terms of the Great Commission, then when we see no one coming to Christ and no baptisms taking place, that's when we really have to question ourselves, are we being faithful to God and to what he has called us to be? Jesus has given the church a job to do. And we're either going to be successful or we're going to fail at it. And using that definition, every church wants to be successful. What's the alternative? The opposite of success is not faithfulness, but failure. In John 15, in that gospel, Jesus identified his followers as branches who are expected to bear fruit. And it's disturbing when branches are bare, isn't it? When there's no visible results from our labors for God's kingdom? Are we going to be like those branches that Jesus talked about that are thrown away and wither? The branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Well, before you have a spiritual anxiety attack about those words, we need to take a deeper look at our relationship to a faithful Lord and Savior. And first, we have to look at our spiritual devotion to Jesus. John 15 talks about us being clean. It started at our baptism, or when we first believed in Christ. But it also continues through today. Are we clean with God? Are we confessing our sins to God? The Proverbs say, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them, they find mercy. And it was Jesus who said that he was the one who would not bless those who are doing evil. Instead, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus also says that we must remain in him as his words remain in us. He is the one who is faithful. Are we faithful in feeding on his word? As Peter says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Are we truly remaining in God's daily presence? Are we letting his words remain in us? Are we carving out a time, a daily time perhaps, to pray and to hear from God? We can't remain in Christ if we don't remain with a focused meditation on God's word and intimate time with our Lord as we pray and have solitude with him. Bearing fruit, that comes through our connection and our relationship with Jesus, who is the vine. We know many of us were joined to Christ in our baptism at a very early age. We're intimately connected to him, and we are the ones who have received from him all that we need to support in our lives today. We're connected when we know that we have come here to worship, when we come to hear his word. It doesn't matter how much we 
think we know about the Bible or how many times we've read the Bible. We know that we need that life-giving nourishment that God's Word offers to us. And as we study it, we know that God's Word offers us strength to face those situations in our life. And in communion, as we will celebrate shortly too, the Lord's Supper, we're refreshed and we are freed from the guilt of our sin. The Holy Spirit works through all of these means. And he does that so that in faith in Christ, we grow. We're made stronger. And as a result, you and I bear fruit. Without the connection to the vine, the life-giving sap and the, the nourishment is unavailable to us. And we slowly begin to die. Remember Jesus' words? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Secondly, our pruning is an important factor. Without pruning, a vine is only going to produce a portion of a potential harvest. Vineyards have only one purpose, to produce grapes, right? Anything else, it's really energy spent on something that would be wasted. And the pruner, they have four things in mind when they do that. First, it's removing what's dead or dying. You've got to do that. Secondly, making sure that there is sunlight that gets to the fruit-bearing branches. Third, increasing the size and the quality of the grapes. Finally, encouraging new grapes to develop. God's purpose in our lives requires the cutting away of bad habits and attitudes, wrong relationships, lesser priorities, and anything else that distracts us from our highest calling, which is to serve him. Pruning, it helps us to be more spiritual. If we really are committing our lives to Christ, we know that before we really focus on wanting to serve the Lord, when we knew of everything Christ did for us and we said we want to do something for him, we carry baggage along with us, right? There's times when there's old habits, attitudes and also ways of thinking about others and even ourselves. But our Heavenly Father, who is the vine dresser, he continually cuts away anything that does not look like Christ in us. Amy Carmichael once wrote, A wise master never wastes his servant's time. No matter what happens to us, God is not wasting his time with us. He is continually educating us. He is improving us. He is molding us. We know that hard times can build good character. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he was once approached by a concerned person who said, Mr. Emerson, they tell me that the world is coming to an end. And Emerson calmly replied, never mind, we can get along without it. We need to learn, too, that we can get along without the world and its standards and instead focus on what Christ has for us in our lives. We can also learn that suffering is an effective teacher in the school of life and that there are lessons that perhaps can only be learned through it. God can use afflictions, physical injury, disease, prolonged sicknesses, Maybe it's difficulty in rearing children or 
difficulty in respecting parents. Maybe it's financial problems or some other overwhelming crisis that is happening to us. But in all these things, they really develop spirituality within us. A young woman was suffering greatly, and she expressed her frustration to an older Christian friend. She says, if God loves me as you say he does, why did he make me so? The older woman replied, he's making you now. Pruning tests our faith. The worthiness of a ship is not when it's just lying there in a quiet harbor, but when it's out there riding the waves of storms. And so our faith, too, the testing of it comes when we go through life storms as well. During the Great Depression, there was a good man who had lost his job. He exhausted his savings, and he had even had to forfeit his own home. And his grief was multiplied by the sudden death of his young wife. The only thing he had left was his faith. And one day as he combed the neighborhood looking for work, he stopped to watch as some men did stonework on a church building. And one of the men was skillfully chiseling a triangular piece of rock. And not seeing a spot where that would fit, he asked, where are you going to put that? Well, the worker replied, as he pointed to the top of the building, you see that little opening up there near the spire? That's where it goes. I'm shaping it down here so that it'll fit up there. And tears filled the hurting man's eyes as he walked away, thinking of the words, shaping it down here so that it will fit up there. God shapes us. He molds us and he prunes us in the ways that he wants us to be so that we can be strong. And as we look forward to that goal of heaven ourselves, as we follow his word, believing in Christ, fruitfulness is God's responsibility, not ours. Paul shared the gospel with a woman named Lydia, but she didn't owe her salvation to Paul's message. Luke writes, One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, and it was the Lord who opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Though God uses human instruments, we know that ultimately it's God's intervention. Fruit-bearing requires him. Look, too, at the differences between Jonah and Jeremiah. Jonah, he was one who really lacked faithfulness. But yet, when he went to preach to the Ninevites, when he finally got there, it says the Ninevites believed God. Something great happened. Jeremiah, he was a faithful prophet to the Lord. As he spoke to the Israelites, God's own people, it said they did not listen or pay attention to him. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. How do you explain that? We might be used by God to produce fruit that we may never see in a person. It takes time to take a fruit tree from being a sapling to becoming a mature fruit-bearing tree. Down south, there was a young man who walked along a path, and he came up to an older man who's bent over, and he's planting seeds in the field. They were pecan tree seeds. And he stopped and asked him, he says, Why do you plant pecan trees? 
They take so many years to mature, and you'll never enjoy the pecans. Well, the old man responded, I plant these trees because all my life I've been eating pecans I never planted myself. Jesus calls us to bear fruit. However, he intends for us to bear fruit that only he can produce. And knowing this, our focus should not be on ourselves, but it should be on remaining in the vine. That's the only way that we can be fruitful. Our fruitfulness is not in our hands. That's God's business. He takes care of that. But our faithfulness is in our hands as we reflect that faithfulness of God to others. So we can thank God that he will continue to be faithful to us. And every day, we can always look for his help as we reflect that faithfulness to others. Because there are many who need to know that. They're out there. So be those faithful people of his, bearing fruit in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.